Hello, and a good Wednesday to you. Uh, today we're going to be taking a look during our midweek perspectives time at Acts chapter 2. If you have not had an opportunity yet to read that, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of time here. Just pause for a second, and um, and you can push pause on your player and, and read that chapter and then get back with us as we um, discuss a little bit about um, Acts chapter 2. So like I said, if you, if you, it's been a while since you read it, uh, why don't you go ahead and open that up and, and take a look at it. Okay, uh, we're back, and uh, where we left things off in Acts chapter 1 last week was the apostles had just seen Jesus um, ascend into heaven, and they had been told by the angels that he would come back in just that way, and they were told to go to Jerusalem and wait. So they go to Jerusalem, they wait, um, they go about the process of picking a replacement a disciple, a replacement for Judas, and that that decision came to Matthias, is, is who would do that, and then basically just leave him alone there for a little bit, and the next thing we see as we jump into Acts chapter 2 is it is the day of Pentecost, and the disciples are following instructions. They're in Jerusalem. They're gathered together in a home in Jerusalem. And this is when things begin to happen. And from this point on in the rest of our account in the book of Acts, it is it follows very much um, its namesake. It is a book of action. Um, it really, really gets with it. And this is the point where, it's, where it starts. So, so basically... At the beginning of chapter 2, what you have is you have the apostles and, and followers of Jesus. You have them in a home, and they are really, they're just kind of hiding there. This is still um, a place that's a little intimidating to them, I'm quite sure. Uh, this is the city where Jesus was crucified, and uh, that's probably still playing a little bit of a role in the back of their minds. So they are in the house, staying out of the limelight, um, just kind of avoiding uh avoiding for for one thing uh avoiding the temple avoiding the pharisees those the council those who condemn jesus to death by the end of chapter two what you see is these same men out in public actively proclaiming the risen jesus christ uh preaching the gospel and you've got to ask yourself, um, what is the difference here? They're not only preaching the gospel, they're preaching it with power, and there are results to this preaching. I mean, incredible results to it. And you have to ask yourself, as you see the beginning of chapter 2, as you see the end of chapter 2, what is the difference? What happened? And what happened can be described only in this way. What happened was the Holy Spirit. The, Jesus made good on his promise. He said he would go to heaven. He had to go to heaven. And then he must do this so that the helper, as he told his apostles in his, in his message to them the night before his crucifixion, he said, I must leave so that the helper can come. And the helper did come, and the helper gave them amazing um, ability and power, um, courage, motivation, you name it, um, and that's what the Holy Spirit did. Um, it is miraculous, by the way. Now, we don't see um, miracles taking place as of yet as far as healings and that sort of thing. That's coming very soon, 
but the the miracle that takes place is is as these as these 12 men are preaching the gospel People gather around. First of all, they hear this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that sounded like the rushing of a violent wind. And it was violent. It was loud enough that it gathered the attention of people in Jerusalem. And they gathered to see what was going on. And when they gathered, this is what they saw. They saw these 12 men, these 12 Galileans, these these roughnecks, if you will, preaching and teaching a message in various languages. And they're like, how is this happening? How are we hearing this message in our own language? And if you look here in chapter 2, there's quite an extensive list of, of areas of the world in which these people who are listening to, to the apostles are from. And they have different dialects, they have different languages, and the apostles are preaching the message in languages that there's no way that they could know how to speak those languages. So a miracle is taking place. And um, so this is all taking place. And then Peter kind of takes center stage in the midst of all of this because this is causing um, quite quite a disturbance and, and, and it's quite a happening here. So Peter takes center stage. And what we see, as I've already told you, is he, and I'm sure he's not the only one doing it, but he preaches, he's kind of the forefront here, he preaches the very first gospel sermon. Now, um, a gospel sermon is this. It's not just a sermon of good news, because um, that's what gospel means. It's, it's a message focusing on Jesus, that he came, that he was killed, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And how lives can be changed through the power that is offered to us because of his defeating of death. That is a gospel sermon. So, and the very first one ever preached, we see in Acts chapter 2. It's amazing. This, this had been pointed to for centuries, millenniums even, throughout the Old Testament. This day was coming when the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached. So the gospel sermon is preached. There's, there's quite an audience to listen to it, and it is a very pointed sermon. I mean, Paul or Peter does not pull punches here. He basically tells the crowd... This Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna read for you. I'm gonna read for you uh, out of Acts chapter two, um, and I'm going to read beginning about verse thirty-six, and this is what it says. Peter preaching, he says, "Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ." We talked about this past Sunday. Christ means Messiah. That isn't a name, that's a title. That God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now look what happens next in verse 37. Now when they heard this, when the crowd heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? So, um, that tells you right there that it's not just Peter proclaiming this message, it's the others as well. And, and they're like, what, what do we do? They are pierced to the heart. That's a very violent term. That means that they, um, it, it's an accurate portrayal in the New American Standard of pierced to the heart. It's like a plucking, like a pricking, like it, it's, 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 it's a pounding of 
the heart. It's being cut to heart. We're going to see that is in a contrast to that here in a couple chapters later when the same message brought about a different response from a different group of people, also a violent response. Now, this response that, that violently affected their souls pushed them to ask Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? They believed the message. The belief is already there. Something has to happen now, and this this is what I want us to focus on today. This is the very first gospel sermon ever preached. You have people who believe the message, they are convicted by the message, and they ask, what do we do now? And this is Peter's instruction to them. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, this is how Peter tells them to respond. Now, keep in mind, belief is already there. Conviction is already there. Otherwise, these people would not be asking, what do we do? So, Peter says this. He says, first of all, you need to repent. To repent basically means this. It means a complete and total change of direction. It means not following my lead anymore, but following the lead of another. I love the way Dave, Dave Bycroft put it so many years ago at junior high camp when he was when he was preaching to junior high campers. Um, we're talking many moons ago, and um, Mike Elrod and I were deans of that camp. And this is what he said. Repent means this. It means stop wrong and start right. That's what repent means. So Peter says you need to repent, but he also says, and let each of you be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Um, baptism, it's basically, it's, it's, it's not complicated. It's basically baptism means immersion, to be plunged, um, to be plunged into water. Now, he says, be baptized, not just into water, but be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, this is where this connection, this is where this rebirth begins. And he says, you do this for two purposes. First of all, for the forgiveness of sins, and secondly, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about that second one first. Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that is allowing the apostles to speak in their own language, but to be heard amongst this large crowd in various languages, the same Spirit that is allowing that miraculously to happen, the same Spirit that will empower the apostles to do other amazing things, the same Spirit that gives them the courage to be in front of this crowd, who not many weeks ago was shouting, crucify him, at about at Pilate about Jesus these disciples the courage they have gained they have gained from the Holy Spirit and the same Holy Spirit is offered to others it is a gift from God so baptism for the gift of the Holy Spirit baptism for the forgiveness of sins and this isn't the only place in the book of Acts where we will see baptism connected to forgiveness um, in Acts chapter 22 verse 16 this is an interesting interesting place here this is also in Jerusalem but it is years later and it's not Peter who is speaking at this time it's a guy by the name of Paul of course we know him but it would have been a great surprise that this was going to take place many years ago to Peter and James and John and the rest of the apostles that many years later um, a guy that they would know of as Saul um, would later become Paul and become a preacher of the gospel as well. And in Acts chapter 22, what you find is you find Paul 
in defense of himself and his message before Jews, once again in Jerusalem, but they want to kill him. So he has to be rescued by Roman soldiers from the mob, but before they take him into the Roman barracks, Paul pleads with the commander, says, let me speak to my people, please. So he gives him permission. Paul turns around. He speaks to the people in the Hebrew dialect, and that makes them want to listen. So they get very quiet, and they begin listening, and guess what he does? He preaches the gospel to him from the perspective of his personal testimony, how Jesus changed his life. Now, I told you that in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we see baptism connected to forgiveness of sins. Take a look at this. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. This is Paul telling his story. All right? And he is speaking of Ananias. Remember, Paul was on the road to Damascus. Jesus met him on that road. As a result of that, Paul his name was Saul at that time, realizes this guy whom he's persecuting is Lord. He is Lord, and he needs to do something about that. Another result of that encounter is Paul is blind. He can't see anything. So he's led by the hand into Damascus. A man three days later by the name of Ananias at the bidding of God shows up, speaks to Paul. Uh, as I said, his name's still Saul then. Speaks to him and uh, and and tells him, uh, a little more about this Jesus guy whom he met. And Paul, for this time, he's been for three days. He hasn't eaten or drank a thing. All right. And, and Ananias comes to him. He, first of all, he, he touches him and the scales fall from his eyes so he can see again. It's been three days since he's eaten or drank anything. I would think after that takes place and after Ananias visits with, with Paul, that Paul would want to eat something or drink something. But it's interesting. The very first thing Paul does is he is baptized. And he's doing this at the instruction of Ananias. And it's Ananias that Paul is speaking about who says this in verse 16. It says, to Paul, this is what he said to him. This is Paul telling his story. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name, the name of Jesus Christ. So, there again, we see that baptism has a very strong connection to, right from Scripture, the forgiveness of sins. So, what do we get from this? This very first gospel sermon um, the very first time Jesus risen from the dead and the power available to us because of that for salvation, for eternal life, that message preached for the very first time. And what happens as the response, the crowd, they are convicted. They are, they are hit hard by this message. They believe what Peter and the rest of the apostles are preaching. They believe it. And how do they respond? They respond by this, by repenting and by being baptized. And as you see, by the end of chapter, by the end of chapter 2, there are over 3,000 that day who are baptized. And the church goes from a small collection of the followers of Jesus to, a, to thousands in less than one day. Um, and as I told you, um, the book of Acts is an action book, and it starts starts with a bang, for sure. So, um, next week, we are going to take a look at Acts chapter 3. It would be a great thing if you could take some time to read that a few times to prepare um, yourself for next Wednesday. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. Uh, and um, book of Acts is going to be it's gonna be good. I told you there's a lot of action in it, and uh, I think you're going to appreciate it. But I think beyond that, it can, it can help us because um, 
the book of Acts isn't just about Jesus, it's about the church. And um, we get a lot of how we do things today still from this book that was written um, close to 2,000 years ago. Appreciate you. Have a good week. Uh, We'll see you again um, next Wednesday, and we'll see you Sunday before that.